What is good? Let's have some fun. It's the Fundamism Podcast with your host, Paul J. Long, and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, Paul Long, coming to you live on the Fundamism Podcast. We, of course, are here, as always, to encourage everyone listening to have a little more fun in life. Because if you don't feel like you can have a little more fun in life, maybe, just maybe, you should try harder. I'm super excited about our guest this week. She is the smartest individual I have ever interacted with. And that's not saying a whole lot because I don't get out much. Uh, but Miss Allison Edwards, how are you, ma'am? Dr. Allison Edwards. Oh, snaps. I messed that one up. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. Actually, it happens all the time. And I think part of it is my own fault for being um, approachable and uh, not all, you know, uh, pretentious and whatnot. Sure. <laughs> So that's something that I struggle with regularly. I actually have, uh, I'm a speaker by trade and I'm getting the opportunity to do some work with the Air Force and I've been working closely with a captain, Arnold. She just got promoted from lieutenant to captain and it's kind of a big deal, but I never know what to call her. So I'm like, Captain Arnold, what's up? And she's like, call me Celeste. And I'm like, I feel like you earned that title though. So is that something that you struggle with? Oh, absolutely. Because I mean... um Again, because I, I want to be approachable. Like I'm, I'm taking care of people, building a relationship with them. And so I struggled with, you know, uh, am I Dr. Edwards? Am I Dr. Allison? Am I Allison? And people always ask, you know, what should I call you? I'm like, oh, just, I don't care. Like, just pick one, stick with it. Don't stick with it. Change it up. Whatever you want. Well, the, the more I get to know you, I'm coming up with lots of things to call you. So oh, just very good. get ready, sister. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So uh, as always, we're going to start with the question that everyone wants to know. What do you do for fun? You're going through the struggle. You want to get back to you. You want to you have a little bit of an escape from whatever you're dealing yes. with mentally. What do you do for fun? Um, a lot. I have a... I actually wrote a recent blog post about this. Um, I finished up residency, so the sort of apprenticeship formal training after you go through your medical schooling. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I finished up a little bit over two years ago now. Oh, sorry Um, about that. (laughs) (laughs) Relevance. Listen, listen. Still big deal. Um, Because I just this summer wrote a blog post about two years out, I am just getting used to the idea of... Um, free time. Okay. And what the heck I should be doing with it. And, you know, what, what are my hobbies? And, you know, sort of the permission to have fun, right? Which I think, you know, a lot of uh, driven professional people and everyone, frankly, struggles with. So, anyway, um, in this, um, I list like, oh, I love photography and, you know, I love being outdoors and I love reading the newspaper over a cup of coffee. Like, all of these things. Um, recharge me. Um, and we actually, we just moved back from Denver um, at the same time that I finished up residency. And there is nothing like being like out on a hike. Like that is, that is my fun. That is my recharge that renews my batteries. That's everything. And you just recently got back from a hike, right? Abs- oh my gosh. I'm not kidding. My quads are still on fire. Uh, yes. We, uh, we were at Glacier National Park um, this past Labor Day weekend. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. My husband is a junkie for, um, solitude and kind of getting out there. And so, um, 
it's my own fault when I set out on a hike with him because he, he'll want to go to the top or go to the end regardless. Right. Um, we call it summit fever. Mm. Yeah. Can't turn around. Got to go to the top. I got a fever. Yes. The only prescription is more cowbell though. <laughs> Not more summit. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but anyway, so we take off on this hike and it's like six, uh, 6.8 miles with, I think like a 2000 foot gain, which is fine. Um, but we get to that point and he sees that there's this lookout tower that's another 2,000 feet over a mile. He's like, yeah, he's like, let's go do this. And I'm just, I'm trekking, you know, one foot in front of the other, just feeling my quads get, you know, a little tired. Oh, yeah. you know, but we make it to the top, top of the continental divide and just kind of look out and um, you can you could see the forest fires. You can see the places where in the past um, the forest had burned. You can see the lush, you know, forest. You can see the clouds. You can see the glaciers, the peaks, just... The wind, the cold, the solitude up there. And um, yeah, and then kind of uh, bounced our way down the mountain again and woke up in the morning just, oh, disaster in the quads. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything hurts. Well, so how does that relate to our our listeners? Of course, fundamentalism, if you're just joining us and this is the first podcast you've listened to, are the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So whatever you do for fun... That, that get you out of a, a mental headspace and get you more to where you aspire to be, that's your fundamental. That's that's something that you do that creates fundamentalism for you. That's this philosophy. And of course, it's founded on the principle of fun. And Allison, I, I, I know um, I'm extremely, extremely excited to explore this relationship between you and I. And, and there's a very specific reason why we met through a mutual friend named Matt Basinger, mm-hmm. who is a uh, Kansas City um, ambassador. I mean, he's just a tremendous guy. He is the chief fun officer, uh, what I like to call him, of Swell Spark, who likes to create memorable experiences in folks' lives through uh, axes and alcohol, which is always <laughs> a plus, uh, blade and timber, as well as Escape KC. But yeah. anyway, I asked him, I said, do you know of anybody that would be great for the podcast? And he said... Allison Edwards. She's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. She's a doctor and she's got a tremendous story, which we're going to get into. But obviously, you know, what kind of podcast host would I be if I didn't vet my guest to ensure I knew what I was getting into? So we had lunch and uh, we had a conversation and it was great. I felt like we had a, a little bit of a connection. And at the end, I said, So what do you think? I would love for you to be a part of this podcast. And you said, I'm not certain. You said, uh, Paul, I'm not ready to commit. And so I was a little taken aback. And I was like, okay, this is good. Why? And you're making faces. I Don't know, make faces. This is awesome. This doesn't happen every day. <laughs> and so I say, well, well, tell me more about that. And you said, well, you know, I'm really trying to create something. Our healthcare system needs help. Yeah. And so my brand is important to me. And I'm going to be honest. I listened to the first two episodes of your podcast, and I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand what you were trying to accomplish. And I looked at you. With excitement. Like somebody might say that to another individual and wonder how they were going to receive it. What I appreciated about it is prior to recording a podcast, I never listened to a podcast. I don't know what a podcast is supposed to sound like. (laughs) I just know that we, you, myself, and many others have a tremendous opportunity to reveal uh, fun and passion and life to others in life. And I thought the podcast might be a good platform to help me do that. That said, you guided me and said, here's what you could potentially do to make it a little more relevant and to stick sure. a little bit more. 
and you gave me some feedback, and I've started to incorporate that. Well, you saw the Travis Kelsey episode, who, mind you, you didn't know who he was, so... (laughs) (laughs) I think I know how to spell his name. Yes, fair enough, but you didn't when you said that to me the first time. And you reached out, and you said, I want to be a part. Yeah. Like, listening to that episode, I get it now. Yeah. So... I just want to first off say I admire you for your honesty. Like, there's a lot of folks in this world that aspire to get better, and uh, you know the Marines have a saying. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And so, what I take from that is, I feel like we have a tremendous platform to help people, but we're not always willing to take the steps to grow and get better accordingly. And so, you providing that feedback for me is something that not a lot of folks are comfortable in doing, and it helped me improve. So, my question with that huge long setup is. Your passion for development and growth and working on yourself is, is critical in the success of your business as a doctor. I call all of that your foundation, your mm-hmm. personal foundation. So where does that stem from? Is that something that you've always had innately or is it something that came with time? Oh, good question. Um, so, I mean, so you have to decide to go into medicine from a relatively early age. Well, not have to. That's not true. You can sort of take a non-traditional path. But if you're sort of on the straight and narrow, you know, in high school, you got to start making those grades. And, um, you know, even in in college, keep on that scientific path sort of so you can matriculate into med school. And so... Matriculate. uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's like a $10 word. Like a five-cent word would do. (laughs) Um, You can go to med school. Um, (laughs) So the, uh, so yeah, so it was, I mean, to be honest, yeah, of course, you know, that was part of my plan from an early age, but, um, you know, reflecting back as I've gotten older, it was also because I, you know, I'm an agreeable person and I had always wanted to make my teachers happy and my parents and everything. And so, you know, you're smart, you do well, you do well in school. People like, oh, you should be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, an engineer, an architect, something like that. And so it was, it was almost a response to making people you know, impress people, you know, um, which is so stupid to say, but it's true, you know, cause with my 18 year old brain, I was like, Oh, well, this is what smart people do. You know, this is what people are telling me to do. I'm going to do it. And so I, um, you know, in, in undergrad, I actually took so many like political science classes and ethics and uh, philosophy classes that I got invited to their graduation party. And I was like, Oh no, no, this is a mistake. Like I, I'm, I'm, I don't belong here. But like, you have alcohol, right? <laughs> I'm there. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so so it's like, you know, one of those things. And then like the first semester of med school, um, it was like November in Kansas City, crummy weather. And we're learning about uh, genetics and neoplasia. Again, $10 words. Mm. Um, which basically mean, you know, the the DNA that makes us up. And also, Thank you, because I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and and when DNA goes wrong, which is neoplasia, which is cancer. So I'm like, weather's getting bad. We're learning about these horribly depressing illnesses. And like, it hit me, you know, like a, you know, like a truck. I was just like, oh my God, I, I might be in, th- this might not be for me. Like, I love the science. And with time, I've actually, I've become quite passionate about the science behind medicine and whatnot. But what I found was that everything else around the medical experience was what, invigorated me mm. and what gave me passion. And so as med school went on, you know, dealing or um, working with um, community gardens gave me, you know, gave me my passion and working with the free clinics and working on what in medicine we call the social determinants of health, i.e. everything else that happens outside of the doctor's office. Like that's what makes somebody healthy. Mm. You know, I have that, I have a small interaction with people as a family practice doctor, tiny, but 
what matters so much more to everyone is what happens outside of it. And so that was where, you know, the foundation of how I got here was, eh, was me trying to impress people. Sure. Okay, let's just be honest. Wow. Right? Thanks. Like, right? Like, yeah. it's, a, it's stupid. And you know what it's people It's not stupid. I think like, it's common. Well, yeah. And so, yeah, when I talk to pre-med students, I'm like, really? Are you sure? Yeah. Is, was your dad behind this? Like, <laughs> can I help? Sure. Um, but, but, you know, it, it going through and again, cause I'm an agreeable person who likes to make people happy. I didn't quit. You know, I kept, you right. know, kept moving on and, you know, now I'm on the other side of it. And I realized that even though it was a decade plus to get from, you know, an 18 year old who wasn't sure who's kind of doing things cause that's was the right thing to do to being fully trained out of my own, running my own clinic, doing my thing, I can now refocus on that passion, which is, you know, the community, the, you know, what pe- what people are doing outside of the doctor's office. And how that impacts health. Mm. So it's kind of a public health uh, view to, to medicine, but I think it's super important. Well, speaking of importance, you're, you're mentioning health, obviously. So I mm-hmm. thought it fitting. I see that you're in your scrubs today, so I appreciate mm. you dressing the part. Did you come straight from work? Of course. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do my part in helping mm-hmm. you in your day. So okay. uh, if, you, if you're listening uh, on a streaming platform and you're not watching on YouTube... We're coming to you today from one of the coolest spots in all of Kansas City. It's Pro Athlete Inc. And uh, of course, Andrew Dallas is an amazing individual. He's the COO. He's going to be on the podcast. We've actually already had that interview, so that'll be coming up relatively soon. They put uh, employees first in everything that they do. So we're coming to you right now from the spa. Uh, we got our, our massage chairs. My feet currently are in the, the water. Of And tell me... <laughs> Tell me, Allison. Um, yeah, how do you feel about pedicures in general or or spas? <laughs> totally grossed out. By Why? That. Tell me more. I just feel like they got foot fungus all over. Yeah. There is absolutely. I do not have evidence to okay. back up that claim. That is like one of those like weird isms that I have. I'm sure. just like mm, can't do it. Mm-mm. I love it. Well, regardless, Mm-mm. one of my fundamentals. Um, I think it's important. To, to pamper yourself from time to time. Oh, yeah. People have given Absolutely. me grief my whole life. My best friends, uh, John Stoner. Again, John Stoner. You've heard his name before. Uh, he always gives me grief. I get my eyebrows done. I get pedicures. I get massages. And it makes me feel, use the word invigorated earlier. Yeah. Like Those are my fundamentals. I think it's phenomenal. And you feel something just amazing when somebody else is treating you. So I, I like the motto... Treat yourself from Parks and Recreation. So <laughs> today we're treating ourselves. Yes. Um, so Allison, working through foundation, obviously your own personal growth and development is important to you. Mm-hmm. After your you know ten plus years in education, mm-hmm. what what do you do now to hone your craft and get better uh, and more well rounded as a doctor to offer the best possible service to your patients? Oh yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's not a very exciting answer, but. <laughs> read a lot. Do you really? Um, yeah. I mean, and, and so that's kind of, and that's why I made the career change to move from the sort of rushed visits, you know, kind of cookie cutter assembly line medicine to one where I can spend more time with my patients. Mm. Cause it also means that if somebody comes to me with something I'm not familiar with or with maybe something that's not very clear cut, I can then turn around and use all my resources to read and, and, you know, put together the puzzle if you will. Sure. Um, 
So it's kind of boring sitting in my office reading, you know, kind of clicking through things. Um, and then, you know, going to conferences and connecting with people and stuff too is actually, is, is a lot more fun. Sure. Um, well, I know that you not only pride yourself in your own continued development, but mm-hmm. you mentioned that you blog as well. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is that you find the development of others important and sharing your experiences with others. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about what you blog about and what the purpose of that process is. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, by the way, I also kind of roll my eyes at the fact that I'm a blogger. Like, <laughs> like, this is like, who, like who isn't? Like, Have you guys read my blog? <laughs> it's exactly. all about the proper amount of tea bags I to know, put in. I know. It's like, it's so terrible. It's like, just because you can like take two fingers and type on a keyboard does not mean that yeah. you should be blogging. So, you know, like with, you know, judge me for what you will. But yes, I do. I do have a little, a uh, little blog project. Yeah. Um, but with a significant... Partner, right? Like you get yes. to guest blog for for the American Academy of Family Physicians. That's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, it is. It, it and I mean, it's it's the type of thing. It's like the imposter syndrome sort of thing. This is where you offer me false humility right now. Is this <laughs> no, no, like no, just take the no. compliment, sister? You're doing no, the damn thing, and I, I appreciate know. it. But it's also you know you have that moment where you're like, well, this is what I think, yeah, exactly. and. <laughs> I I like me, right. so like I'm gonna write down what I think exactly. Um, and and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I've I've really enjoyed writing. I took a class in college called um, Reading and Writing the Nonfiction Essay, which my husband was like, "Dude, that's all of college. Like, yeah. that's all you do is read exactly and write right." Fiction. Yes, and I was like, "No, no, no," and it was really fun. Um, to take a really close look at like David Foster Wallace, you know, may he rest in peace and like things like that where you're like, RIP, yeah, RIP brother. Um, but like there's, there are real, and like Atul Gawande, Malcolm Gladwell, like really good nonfiction writers out there. And so, um, so it's kind of fun to like consider myself in their ranks, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Except not really. Well, um, I hope, so you know this about me and I'm not proud to say it. I'm not an avid reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've read in my day. The interesting thing about, me and my quest for development is I'm, I, you know, we're all different types of learners. So I like mm-hmm. to observe people. Yeah. I like to see how they interact and see what they do and hear from personal experience. And so reading to me hasn't always interested me, but I'll tell you what, every time I do read, I always get something from it. Of course. The challenge that I have in reading is I have such a short-term memory, and I told you this before, by the time I get down to the end of whatever page I'm on, mm-hmm. I had forgotten already what I read above. So I'm constantly rereading mm-hmm. over and over again. I say that to let you know that this morning was a pivotal moment in my career, or career, if that's well, what whatever. you want. We don't know how to pronounce words. Yeah, I don't, about this. I don't either. Yeah. Um, home Depot, is that right? That's right. I believe so. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I sent my book to the publisher today. Congratulations. So uh, three versions of content editing. Uh, Travis Kelsey actually wrote the foreword. That's awesome. A uh, portion of proceeds are going to pediatric cancer research, so supporting the healthcare industry and the growth uh, in the field that many children need help with. The book went to publishing today, and I couldn't be more excited, I hope, as an avid reader, that you... Oh, she's clapping. I feel... Yes. This is a Round humble of, brag. Yes. And Rabbit a pitch, pitch yes. just so you guys know. Yeah, yeah, Swoop yeah. up the book, Fundamism, Connecting to Life Through Fun, when it drops. It's going to be out in the next month, maybe two months. But uh, as an avid reader, I hope, Allison, that you yeah. will give me your candid thoughts, <laughs> uh, as I'm certain that you will. Foundation. So we're wrapping up the F and fun and what makes you you. You know, one of the things that interests me about the healthcare field is there's something called compassion fatigue. And so yeah, as doctors absolutely. or nurses or whatever it may be, you see so much heartache all the time and and so many people that 
are sick or unhappy or whatever it may be. And I got to believe that sometimes, you know, you become a little bit of numb or you, 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 you feel a little numbness yeah. to it, right? And that's what they call compassion fatigue. And at times you feel guilty because you know that you you should feel some form of emotion as a result of, of this person's heartache or pain. But sometimes because you see it so much and you're always in it, you, you don't. And as a result, you feel guilty. So my first question is, do you ever experience that? And my follow-up question would be, how the heck do you stay grounded and in the right mind frame being surrounded by sickness? Yeah. No, I, I mean... If any healthcare professional tells you that they haven't felt that, they're saving face, right? Mm. Um, you know, it got to the point during residency where I refused to watch um, dramatic movies, shows, et cetera. Grease like, Anatomy? Yeah. Oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like like good, like, you know, Oscar-worthy like okay. productions. Like I'm like, I can't handle more drama. Sure. I'm done. Like comedies, fluff. No more. Like, right. if I'm relaxing, I got to relax. Like, yeah. I got to get away from it. Relaxing. I like what you just did there. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I have my massage chair on. I'm yeah. really enjoying I this see spa experience. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's, um, I mean, you've touched on sort of the, the third rail of medicine is that, you know, we're all human and we're all fallible. And, you know, it, it will drain a person to, to bear the emotion of, of the people that you're caring for mm. and, and sort of if you if, if you truly have empathy and you're really feeling that it is exhausting um and then you know you, you can't take it home because you have a family at home and you have to sort of turn off turn on and so you do in and, and numb is almost like a negative word but like kind of compartmentalize yeah say, okay fair enough yeah and kind of say well this is me at work and like these things truly suck mm. um and if you ever go out you know for drinks with a, a group of doctors you're gonna hear terrible stories you're gonna think that they're terrible people because ultimately if you can't laugh about how terrible things sure. are you can't cope and so yes. sort of um so you know we don't talk about this in public but you know there you kind of go and you let it out and yeah. you talk about all the terrible stuff and um and move on but yeah no it's it's incredibly draining and it correlates too with like burnout right and so if if you get if you are worn out enough and this compassion fatigue sets in enough that you don't even feel that guilt that you were talking about mm. you know I, I'm so worn out that I don't even feel guilty about being worn out. You know, then you settle into a burnout, and yeah. then everybody suffers. You know, you're no longer in a fulfilling career. Sure, your patients aren't getting good care. Um, you're making mistakes potentially, and you don't care that you're making mistakes because you have no compassion or guilt about it because you're so burnt out. And it's and that that's what scares me about medicine is because and soapbox one second, um, but is because um, the more consolidated and the more corporate medicine gets, the more it becomes a business. Um, the more that compassion gets removed yes. from the doctor-patient relationship and the entire infrastructure of the healthcare system, and that worries me a lot. Um, and, and, and again, it's kind of why you know I chose the career path I did. So. so you mentioned two things that really stuck out to me there. So first of all, um, the ability to laugh uh, when dealing with yeah. something, right? I think that's crucial, and especially in, we could talk about this and have talked about this. In our society today, with the, pol- the politics, the way that they are, and, and uh, the way that society is, I mean, we're so sensitive to everything, right? And so, so many folks feel like they can't joke and laugh about things anymore. And so, what you said is is important to me, and it actually reminded me of one of my favorite quotes, Mr. Mark Twain, who was an author. Did you know that? I've heard of him. Yes. I, I read, I read uh, a quote one time. I read a quote <laughs> once. Uh, he said, humor is the great thing, the saving thing. Once it crops up, all of our irritations and resentments slip away, yeah. and a sunny spirit takes their place. 
And I feel like humor is one of my core fundamentals. One of my, the, the philosophy of fundamentalism for me is based in humor and laughter and fun. And so I really appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. And I know that it gets you through a difficult space. The second thing that you brought up was how doctors cope and compassion fatigue and how you take mm-hmm. this stuff home with you. Now, many of you guys are, are, that are listening didn't go through 10 years of, of you know, medical school or, or education. Uh, you could be like myself, who's not a very smart man, um, <laughs> but uh, enjoy, enjoy leading people and having fun and created a culture of, of, of excellence and uh, excitement in whatever organization you work with. I'm certain that Alan's story can resonate with any one of you and what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a troubled employee that you just mm-hmm. can't connect with. They're not showing up to work and you're trying to get to the root of the problem. You take that home with you. Uh, you, you had a, a spat with your spouse and you're you're really struggling to, to figure out what's going on between you. You take that to work with you. All of these things impact us on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that right there is the whole goal behind this podcast is to help folks get through whatever challenging times that they're going through and to find what gives them strength and to figure out a plan and developing next steps. Because Absolutely. I think that, that's the most important thing. Like you could be going through the struggle, but the moment that you just continue wallowing in it and you don't define a plan to get out is the moment that all of a sudden misery really creeps oh, up, absolutely. right? Yeah. So understanding others' perspectives, that's the you. Yeah. And this is something that um, I cannot wait to talk to you about this because we didn't even talk about mm-hmm. it at lunch. And this is the whole reason why we got connected. Understanding others' perspectives is huge. That's the you and fun. For you specifically, I know that it's one of the guiding forces behind you and medicine and your desire for reform for healthcare. I read an amazing article on you and the Kansas City Star. It wasn't just about me. It went, okay. It was a collective okay. group, but you were a catalyst. Okay, sure. Okay. Uh, and I would love for you to explain to me and our listeners what that was all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, to give a little bit of context as to um, uh, how I ended up here and to kind of finish that story is that I dropped out of healthcare after 10 years of education. I was like, screw it, I'm done. And I opened up my own clinic, right? And so I I opened up a what's called a direct primary care clinic where instead of working for insurers and corporations, I work directly for my patients via a cash transaction, hmm. which sounds really revolutionary. People are like, wow, that's crazy. No, man, this is how it was done like 100 years ago. Sure. Like, and yeah. how every other industry. So I got my physicals back in the day. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's how you buy jeans. Like, yeah. this is like, this is, this is commerce, right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, frankly, healthcare is a commodity, whether, True. you know, it, it just is in, in the US. And so let's treat it like one. Let's have it fairly and transparently priced. So, that, so that's the context where this is coming from. And so um, I am not the only direct primary care provider in the metro. Um, there are uh, 23 of us operating in this sort of model, and we're all small mom and pop type, uh, you know, clinics. And so we got together, and um, we get together quarterly, you know, have drinks, have dinner, you know, talk about best practices, kind of share how business is going. And one of our members said, "Hey, John Oliver just did this piece on um, relieving uh, debt that is brought on by medical bills." And he was like, it'd be super easy for us to, you know, pool together some money and donate to this nonprofit in order to wipe away debt here in the region. And this sort of, you know, we talked about this over a couple of months. And finally, at the end of last year, we're like, let's just do it. Let's, let's, let's put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And um, there were 19 of us that ended up pooling money. We came up with about $11,000 to donate to this organization. It's called RIP Medical Debt. 
And that, they have a really interesting story. So they were founded by debt collectors. So okay. like the bad guys, the bad sure. guys, right? Yeah. So these these. Debt- I used to be one of those for the record. Are you serious? For uh, for a car, uh, oh. re- it was not good. Yeah, no, of course not. Like I can't imagine it's the most miserable like, thing I've chasing, ever done. Yeah, yes. chasing people down for money that they don't have mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah, and then threatening um, to repo their car if they don't. Yeah, pay. right. It's the worst. You can't even repo health. I don't know how you would do that. Thanks right? for bringing like, this up for the record, making me feel like a terrible individual. No, no, no. there's hope. There's hope. Okay, there's right. hope. don't worry. We're going oh, somewhere. Oh yeah, because it was founded by debt collectors. Okay, keep <laughs> okay, going. Okay, Sorry. Hold on. Debt collectors founded this. Right. Come out and don't wallow. Right, come on, right, come, right, out, good, come good out, come out, come um, out. But anyway, so these debt collectors were like, "Man, we hate what we do." Sure. Basically, yeah. But they were like, "If we made a nonprofit where we still bought." went after debt. Like we found debt that had not been paid. And this is, I'm going to try and not get too much in the weeds here, but if we found this debt that couldn't be paid, wasn't being paid, you know, the bills have gone out years ago. Mm. Like this is, this is not going to be collected on. What if we bought that, founded a nonprofit and raised donations to basically clear that bill, just pay it off. Because ultimately once a medical bill has not been collected for years, essentially, gets sent to these collections companies and it's worthless almost like the ratio I believe is $1 will buy a $100 uh, debt if you will so it's a ratio of 1 to 100 so it's, mm. it's it's worthless basically it's their profit margin though right yeah oh god yeah no sorry, it's sorry. terrible so don't, don't don't go <laughs> no, back to debt collecting bad, don't, don't. <laughs> we're not doing debt collecting so what's cool is that this this nonprofit basically what we said is we came to them we said we have a little bit over eleven thousand dollars we want to um, wipe away medical bills uh, that have been sent to collections here in the Kansas City metro area um, and it took about six months of working with them and them kind of fine tuning their algorithms and, and working with different companies but they were able to find um, a little uh, I think it was seven hundred and eighty four people um, who then had one point four million dollars worth of medical debt Whoa. erased huge 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 huge. And so, um, and we were motivated to do that to essentially to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're all patients. Like every single one of us is vulnerable and could potentially end up in the hospital either, you know, through no fault of our own. Somebody runs a red light or maybe even for like a happy reason, like you have a kid. Yes. Like that's an expensive process. And you don't, so we are all in the position of being fragile from a medical um, financing standpoint. And so this is our way of saying, Hey, this system is not ideal. Let's, you know, absolve this, this debt, abolish it and kind of move on. So these, these former patients, existing mm-hmm. patients who yeah. have this debt, mm-hmm. they don't know that this is happening. Right. They go to the mail, the, 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 uh, what do you call that? The golden envelope, if you will. Yeah. Yes. Well, where do you get that from though? The mailbox? Uh, yes. That's the word that I was oh. looking for. <laughs> Mailbox. Eureka! I figured it out. What? That's only for like bills and weird advertisements. Gold envelopes and gold envelopes now. Which actually, we are like, man. Do you think people are like? Do you think people are gonna check their mail? Like, do you think they'll see it? And they're like, oh, this is another scam. Yes, um, I would have. Yeah, no, totally. Which is why we are really happy to work with Annie Marso at the Star um, to say, like, you know. This is something that's important. This is real. It's not a fraud. Yes. Um, you know, people are getting and their debt relieved. And not only that, but um, the way that it worked out was that it actually was removed from their credit report as well. Mm. So even though it had been sent to collections, it was wiped from their credit report. It was paid, you know, move on. So understanding others' perspective, basically what I just heard you say, doing the right thing, guided mm-hmm. by your heart, trying to figure out there's there's an opportunity gap where somebody can fill a void. And mm-hmm. you guys serve that purpose. And uh, it's funny that so often people do these good deeds, and it's it's unfortunately not as common as you would hope 
that you're skeptical when it happens, yeah. right? And so you had to specifically say, well, this isn't a scam. So I recently filed three trademarks for Fundamism. Oh, cool. Super exciting stuff, right? My lawyer says, hey, uh, won't hear anything for several months until I contact you with next steps. A month later, I get a bill from a company that says $1,395 to file these these three trademarks. So I reach out to my lawyer and I say, hey, just double check in. Says that I have you know 14 days to respond to this letter. I'm going to get this paid. I just want to make sure that it's legit because yeah. you said I would be hearing from you. He said that's a scam. <sighs> so there are folks out there that are looking to see when you file for for federal help, right? Yeah. Or debt or whatever it may be. Yeah. And they're seizing that as an opportunity to take advantage of you, yeah. which is the exact opposite of you and understanding others' yeah, perspectives. Yeah, yeah. So I, I could just relate to what you're saying and and. And I think that's why it's so important that we hear stories like yours. And it's challenging for somebody like you to, to, to give yourself praise and to even hear people give you praise. I would argue that you need it, though. No, no. Like every, every time that you get somebody saying that you did a great job, it feels great. And while it makes you uncomfortable, it drives you to do more, right? Because yeah. you because you see that there's a need for it. So <laughs> thinking through next steps, which is the end and fun, we talked about foundation, yeah. understanding others' perspectives. Well, in the you and understanding others' perspectives, you have a knack for showing a genuine interest in others. And that includes being direct when when you need to be and being honest. And so oftentimes people struggle with that skill set because they're afraid to rub people the wrong way or maybe not form a strong bond. And you and your doctor-patient relationship, connections are imperative, right? Absolutely. So what advice do you have, whether somebody's a doctor or a manager or a frontline cook at a local restaurant, what advice do you have in connecting with people? Like, How do you find what's been the most successful for you in driving trust-built relationships within your, your client base? Oh man, I, this is such a hard question to answer because um, it's like asking. A, oh god, this is going to sound so pretentious. It's like asking an Olympic diver, like, "How do you do that dive?" Like, Are you comparing yourself to an Olympic diver yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm an Olympic, <laughs> no. Oh my god, I went off the high dive for the first time in years the other day. That is scary, man. I almost would climb back down. So, for the record, how often does somebody say, as an adult, male or female, <laughs> yeah. I went off the high dive for the first time? Like that's fundamentalism right there. What oh created this environment that you jumped off the high dive? We, uh, man, we we learned about this thing called the pool check okay. at the public pool, where they make the kids get out, okay, so the adults can play. Yeah, it was like permission to play. Yeah, right? it's so like adult oh, swim, adult swim, and I was like, oh man, like I'm gonna go down each of the slides and go off all the diving boards. Yes. And I got to the top of the high dive. And I was like, oh, there's a reason I don't do this. This mm. is very scary. But, but you I did, did it. it. I penciled. I didn't dive. Ooh, oh, I totally did. That's all right. I would like, pencil as well. I know. Like the little kids were like, pencil. And yeah. I was like, well, they know what they're doing. Exactly. So, like, I penciled. It was fine. Listen, I knew more as a kid in terms of enjoying life and having fun and not worrying about what other people thought of me than I do today. Yeah. So if a kid says something to me, I'm going to listen at first just to see if it yeah, has yeah, yeah. merit. Uh, and oftentimes it does. Yeah, pencil is the safest. Pencil is definitely the safest. Yeah. So advice anyway, in forming okay, strong so, relationships. Yeah, yeah, forming strong relationships. Um, so I don't know. So it's like asking a diver, like, how'd you do that flip? They're like, I don't know. I just tucked. And it's like, they can't articulate because they're just so naturally good at it. And so I think there is a certain um, innateness in, in someone's character, right? And how they're mm. going to interact with someone. Yes. So I think there's that. 
But um, I think there's also a certain amount of vulnerability that you have to have in any relationship to build trust, right? I mean, right, because like I'm not going to trust you unless I feel like you have skin in the game, and you're yes. not going to trust me if if I'm not all equally participatory. Of course. And so I think that, and and that's how I try and run my business too. And as an employer, is that like I was direct with you, and I still feel you know slightly bad. Don't about. it was amazing. <laughs> but you know, like I'm going to give direct feedback, and I'm going to say, you know, we're in this together. Um, I'm here to support you. I'm here to make you better. Pull your head out of your ass, but yeah, you know, like, like, <laughs> it, like this is harsh criticism, yeah. right? Like, and this is I think this is partly medical training too. Is like. If you can't get your act together as a doctor, you're going to kill people. Mm, true. And so, like, and I, th- we're in healthcare. Like, if you can't get your act together in a clinic, like, people will be hurt. And so, it's it's that, you know, the directness of I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to make you better. And the reason we're doing this is to help people mm. and to keep people safe. Um, and so, it's it's sort of that communal um, discussion of of why we're all doing what we do. And it's not for a paycheck. And if you're at job, if you're at if you're working for me and you're only there for a paycheck, frankly, uh, that's great. But I, I want somebody who has more and who has that sort of holistic view of how to care for people. Mm. Well, you definitely, there's two people in this world. There's the people the, that we are, and then there's the person that we reveal ourselves to be. Man, I, that sounded really good. Like, Can I try that again? Yeah. Do you mind means. if I rewind that back? The person that you are and the person that you reveal yourself to be. And from the short time that we've spent together, I feel like uh, you're as genuine as they come. So I appreciate your vulnerability, your authenticity, and your willingness to be on here. If people want to learn more about you, Allison, your practice, Mm -hmm. uh, what you do, your blog, where could they go? Yeah, read my blog. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can if you want. Guys, there's really good nuggets in my blog. (laughs) There's like so many good things. Actually, half of it I'm proud of half of it. I'm like, oof, you know, it's out there. Um, so, uh, so my practice is Kansas City Direct Primary Care, and if you're uh, not in the Kansas City area, Direct Primary Care is the um, type of practice that is um, that takes insurance out of the equation. So you can Google that. There's some really good maps out there to find a practice nearby. Um, the organization I'm part of, it's a, a very loose organization, but the, the group that did the big donation is the Midwest DPC Alliance. So the Midwest Direct Primary Care Alliance. And, um, what's really cool about that group is that, um, we're not a super formal organization and technically we're all, you know, from a business standpoint, we're all competitors, right? But if we don't work together, you know, to help people and to sort of, uh, change the system, you know, we're all going to fail. And so it's a really cool collaboration of um, all of us clinics in the Midwest working together to um, provide better care for people. Awesome. Yeah. So that's the Midwest DPC Alliance. Um, yeah. Uh, but my blog is hosted on my website. Which is? Oh, God. It's the longest URL ever. I'm embarrassed. It's Kansas City Direct Primary Care.com. The reason being was when we first were incorporated, KCDPC was the Kansas City Doberman Pinchers Club. Mm. Ugh. And so I confusion. Mean, it's very confusing. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, we have the longest URL ever. I'm just appreciative that you didn't say www. It's HTTP. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now you've. First time we met, you talked about your blogging ability. Uh, you've pitched your blogging ability multiple times at this it's, interview. It's, don't really don't. Uh, I'm putting you on blast right now in front yeah. of everybody. Yeah. I know that the outdoors mean a lot to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, every so often, roughly every month, if not more, we feature one fundamental. And mm-hmm. uh, that for you, you started this whole thing out by saying that you love the outdoors. Yeah. You love 
going outside. Absolutely. I would love to have you as a guest blogger talk about what the outdoors means to you, how others can incorporate it, and some of the experiences that you've had. Would you be open to do that? Definitely. All right. More information to follow, ladies and gentlemen. Allison Edwards was our featured guest today. We, of course, are sponsored by Charlie Hustle, an amazing local Kansas City company that is super proud and an ambassador to our community. So feel free to visit charliehustle.com, swoop up a cool shirt, some joggers, whatever it may be. We're coming to you this week from Pro Athlete Inc., a company focused solely on employee culture. I, as always, am your host, Paul J. Long, speaker and founder of Fundamism. If you want to learn more about Fundamism, fundamism fundamism.com. And don't forget, pre-orders are now available, pauljlong.com forward slash book. A portion of proceeds will all go to Noah's Bandage Project, supporting pediatric cancer research. Forward by Mr. Travis Kelsey, friend of the show. And ultimately, he's a guy. He's basically just a, a really great guy. Okay, I'll look into it. She's going to look into it, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I wish you the best. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to have a little more fun in your day. Thank you.